Hello, everyone. Welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. Today, we are here to deep dive into artificial intelligence. And my guest today is Henry Hayes. He's the CEO and co-founder of Disrupt Ready. And according to Henry, AI or artificial intelligence is more than chat GPT. Well, I'm not sure about you, but I can tell you that artificial intelligence to me is completely foreign. I really know nothing about it. And I decided today when Henry came on that I would intentionally not have him share a lot with me so that you and I could learn and go through this process together. But while for some of us, it's a complete mystery, for others, they have found it to be an innovative way to accelerate business growth and to improve their technology. So Henry today is going to kind of tell us where did artificial intelligence originate? What could it mean for us as health and fitness and wellness professionals? So whether you know a little or a lot about it, I hope you'll grab a cup of coffee and join us. And I'm going to bring Henry Hayes in. How are you doing, Henry? Angie, I'm great. And it's awesome to be with you talking about this today. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. And I think you just shared also that you're not just the CEO and co-founder of Disrupt Ready. You also teach artificial intelligence at a university. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's a funny story because it speaks to, I think, one of the important layers of talking about this, which is the speed. So a long story short, I met the provost, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Roy Haggerty at, for the Louisiana State University School System um, on June 21st. And from that point until really early August, we met and decided that they wanted to get ahead of this. And so we built a curriculum and enrolled students at LSU's Honors College. And the, the setup is unique. It is... Uh, students put in teams of four, um, three computer science students and one business student, and they're all looking to solve a real world challenge by using artificial intelligence. And so we can go into the details of how we're doing that, but I'm teaching that with him and then also with a computer science teacher. And what I love about what I just explained, Angie, is it's just the tip of the iceberg of what this can become, which is um, new ways of doing things and things that are not traditional but when I, when I think about Roy saying, let's do this, I tip my hat to him because action is our oxygen here. You have to get in the game. And so they've done that. And so, yeah, we're doing that this fall and it's a lot of fun so far. I like that. Action is our oxygen. It's so true because, you know, it's kind of like movement creates movement. The more you move, the more you want to move. But when you're inactive, you really just lose motivation. So you're right. I mean, any type of action is a step forward. So Henry, I love that. I also love that when you're teaching at a university, you're getting the students to do a hands-on project in order to learn it. Instead of just being what happens a lot when we're learning information is we learn it from a scientific or, you know, what it says in a textbook, but we don't get to practice it. So that's huge for today's upcoming students. Well, I'll tell you one more, Angie. So, and this is the business side of me made sure that we did it this way. You mentioned the textbook. There's really no textbook for this per se. And these challenges are real. So we recruited two from the private sector and then two from kind of the university ecosystem. Uh, but they're very real and they have very real world consequence, which means, as I tell the students, look, guys, there are stakes on the table. So and this is 
this is life. This is real, as you could attest to. So I didn't want an environment where, you know, nothing was at stake because that's just, that's not reality, I don't think. So um, there's a little bit of pressure and there should be because again, speed uh, is important in, in this pursuit and we can talk about that, but it's another reason why this is going to be a fascinating semester. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love that the stakes are high because the students have a little more skin in the game and they're probably more incentivized to show up and do something. I just have to let you know to all of you who are listening or watching, even my cat joined this conversation, <laughs> which is very unusual. So Henry, you, you've captivated everyone at this point. It's hard to captivate the cat. <laughs> so let's start with something that's easy for you, not so easy for me and many people. Please do tell me what exactly is artificial intelligence? Yes, it's a great question. And I'm glad you asked it because a lot of the things that are being called AI today are just good old fashioned automation, which is fine but there's a there's a lot of a misunderstanding around it and so i think at a if we wanted to tell this to a fifth grader you know we can just say artificial intelligence is a computer or a computer learning system um learning reasoning and making decisions based on information that typically humans do and so at a very root level that's what it is if you want to dig a little deeper and let's go into the history this is not new in the mid 1940s a British mathematician by the name, you may have seen him from um, the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played him in the imitation game. Um, Alan Turing, brilliant British mathematician, simply asked the question, can machines think? And in the 40s, you can you can imagine that was um, really out there. So for decades that followed, this idea stayed in academia, um, kind of esoteric white papers and things that that the commercial landscape really didn't pay attention to. And then 2015 kind of arrived, um, a company called OpenAI raised a, a healthy amount of money and began working on more commercial application of this idea of artificial intelligence. And then in November, late November of 2022, OpenAI launches ChatGPT3. And since then, um, we, we haven't seen an adoption, a launch, and then an adoption of a technology in the history of mankind that went that fast. And I'll give you a stat, Angie. So it took Netflix, which is still thought of as a relatively new technology, 3.5 years to get to a million users. It took ChatGPT five days to get to that same. To get to a billion users? No, one million. One million a million users. users in five days. Five days. So that, that's fun to say, but what, what does it really mean? Well, it really means a couple of things. Number one, it means that we all need to get our head around what this is. Because even if you disagree with it and you don't want to use it, I would say to, to ignore something like that is it's an exposed position to be in. But number two, and I take the more optimistic view, to me, this is the great disruptor of our time, meaning it's not theoretical. Um, you can learn just enough about it and put your hands in the dirt and try it. And that's when a little guy, a small company or a medium-sized company can be more efficient, more productive, and at the end of the day, uh, generate more revenue and then begin to compete at a level that they simply haven't been able to uh, in our business lifetimes. So all that said, we're almost getting um, bits of information and bits of um, hey, what about, you know, this has come to the fore every week with this technology. So it's, it's a lot to keep up with, 
but and that can be overwhelming. But I would say to your audience, now is the time to get into the game. And back to your original question, I think most people think they've they've tried Chat, chat GPT or Claude. They have an account and they've used the copywriting function, and so they know AI. And I'd say that's that's kind of the kitty table. It's great that you, you're doing that, but you need to go two, three, four, and five layers deeper. Because when you do, you can really see how this is going to change your business. Mm. Well, I think you have most people that increases efficiency, productivity, and revenue. I would say that if you're talking to any business owner, small or big, you kind of capture them with that, that idea. Um, so it's interesting because I told you, Henry, when I met you that I was in Colorado recently and I was visiting my daughter and her, her partner, and he is an engineer. And I asked him, Hey, do you ever use AI? And he said, yes, I, I do coding. And so I ask AI questions about coding and that kind of gives me the groundwork and then I can take it from there, but it does a lot of the backhand work for me and makes my life more simplistic. And to your point, increases my productivity. And if we increase productivity, we increase revenue by nature <clears throat> because efficiency and time is what every small business owner is, is needing, right? We need more time. And if we're going to have more time, we also would like to make more money. So um, I like that. Henry, can I, do you want to expand on that? Because I have a question for you. Yeah, sure. I think so. And this is a great time. I wanted to introduce a phrase, Angie, that is um, quickly becoming not commonplace, but I almost, I say it in almost every one of these I do, which is never the same again. Now, what does that mean? That means when someone like you, Angie, or your listeners really understand what's going on here um, and where to use this, there are going to be a lot of instances of once you introduce it, that is never the same again. An example might be a task that today a human does. So pick one of a million, right? And you say, wait a minute, can we automate that? And can we use artificial intelligence to go quicker and create um, a better output? And the answer is typically yes. And so that means you will never do that task the same way again. Think about the ripple effect of what that means to a business. Um, and this is typically when someone says to me, oh, so is AI going to take everyone's jobs? No, I think artificial intelligence itself will not. People that know how to use it will, and that's fair. But I think the adept, um, proactive business owner would think, let me give Angie 20% of her time back and I can go make her more creative because it'll be a long time before these AI beings will ever be as creative, if ever, than humans. And so ironically, Angie, those things that we're offloading off of someone's to-do, typically they don't like to do those anyway. So this is all very additive to this idea of really how we look at work, period. Um, and I can expound upon that, but I'll, it's a lot I just put on you, so I'll, I'll pause. <laughs> well, Henry, first I'm going to reset for a minute. So my name is Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body, and we are talking about artificial intelligence and the fact that it's more than ChatGPT. And my fascinating guest is Henry Hayes. He is the CEO and co-founder of Disrupt Ready. And Henry, you said two things that I want to tap into. One was never the same again. And I, I feel like when you said that, my mind, as it always does, goes a million places. And I thought, isn't that the way of life in general? 
like in relationships, um, each momentum forward or each time that you get to know somebody better, the relationship is never the same again. Each time you learn more at your job, you're never the same worker again. It's life. It's constant forward motion if we're doing it right. And to your point, that's where efficiency and productivity comes in. But it's funny that you got into my brain because you went to my question, which was the number one concern that I hear about AI. And it's a creeping concern in my mind, but I didn't feel like I could say it justifiably because I don't know enough about it. But everyone is saying AI is going to steal our jobs. AI is going to steal our jobs. And when you first came on and you said AI is a computer learning system that is able to, to, to reason. And I, and I, um, I say this respectfully, um, as a society, um, our ability to, to show reasoning and to think critically, um, sometimes we are used to a computer doing that for us. And so if we invent this technology that is so good at, at reasoning and critical thinking, and we as humans are less, maybe it's less necessary for us to do that because we have so much technology to do it for us. I can see where people have that concern that it's going to take our jobs. <laughs> Look, I think the, the questions are valid, but, but here's where I would push back. And this speaks to a deeper issue, which I think is, I think it's fascinating how humans, especially if they get a little bit older, the frontal lobe of our brain tends to protect us, meaning, um, I don't understand it, so I'm running. It's fight or flight. I see that a lot. So I don't necessarily hold it against that person because I think it's just good old-fashioned human wiring. Um, but if you really want to go a level deeper, I would say you have to have a modicum of education on what the technology is, where it comes from, how it works, to then have kind of that, that visceral take or, or question. Because absent that, it, it's a little bit reminiscent to me of someone that complains about our political system and doesn't vote. It's like, well, can you have both? So I think th the questions are fair. We still have a lot of ethical things to work out with respect to this technology. Um, what's the government's role? All those things are fair. But to have a seat at that table has to start with your own level of education. Because if you don't have that, then I think, you know, it's just, it's, it's a less informed opinion for sure. Yeah, I agree. Because again, you know, I can't make a judgment about something I know nothing about. And I'm mm -hmm. always that person who says, don't complain about politics if you don't vote. So I'm big on, you know, get your feet dirty, get in the mud if you really want to know what's going on. And, and I agree. And, you know, even my, uh, the gentleman who does coding was saying, you know, it's, 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 the, it's only going to be as smart as you are. And the information that you know, like, you're not going to be able to go to AI and have it tell you something blindly unless you have a level of intellect about that information enough to know that what it's giving you is is good or bad or or you know it will work in your favor um so you you kind of told us like where did ai come from i really like the how quickly it grew compared to like netflix and how in five days they got a million users chat gpt which goes to show that there's a lot of excitement and a lot of interest and people are seeing the value in it. But I was curious, what is LLM? Yeah. So an LLM stands for large language model. That's what ChatGPT is. There are a bunch of these in that family. But Angie, a large language model is simply the way that these are constructed, meaning 
a very large, what's called a corpus of data is uh, assimilated. And then you put kind of a wall around that. And then you put training rules into the LLM. In other words, what's the business outcome you're, you're going for? And then it, it, it trains on that. You tweak that, iterate, and then it retrains. And then there's a testing period. And then it's live. And so that's where you've seen some of the really unbelievable outputs from the LLM, which is ChatGPT. But this is a little like saying, Google it, meaning search, or give me a Coke, meaning I want soda. So it's ChatGPT is kind of the poster child for an LLM, but um, there are a lot more out there and there are a lot more behind uh, them, Angie, that are on the way. For instance, it's only a matter of time before we have the niche of niche in these LLMs, for instance, your, you know, your world, healthy mind, healthy body. What an amazing um, area to sit on because you have such a good data stream historically. And that's really important for these LLMs. If the data isn't good, there's only a certain level that they can um, be expected to perform at. But if the data is good and, and it continues to get better, then people are going to be blown away by, by what these things can accomplish and how they can help. Well, and don't worry, Henry, because I've already got you on speed dial. So I'm planning on you helping my business grow in that way. So uh, thank you for explaining the LLM, because I think it, it, you know, when people hear about AI and LLMs and they're like, what is all of this information? Um, you tap into something about ethical considerations and legal considerations. And I would love to go back to that because you and I did say that one of the things I was gonna ask you, and I don't know the answer is, what are some of the ethical concerns and what should be we be aware of? Um, because I think that's part of being enlightened about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's several. Um, one is the bias that the models may have. And I think it's the other bigger concern is another phrase that's kind of quickly coming to the fore in this industry is called a um, single source of truth. Meaning, do people inevitably trust any individual LLM, which is to say, oh, if, if I if I search toward on ChatGPT, it must be true. Well, at this point, that is not true because it does have what are called hallucinations. Um, and we can go deeper into what that means. But the issue then becomes... Things like deep fakes and, you know, as we roll into an ele another 2024 election cycle, the level to which voters rely on um, these LLMs for, for news or information or content, um, those, are, those are fair questions. I think we saw this in the crypto game where human bad actors will come to the fore and that will happen here. Um, I think... That's just, that's just human nature. And it's been in every technological advance we've ever seen, meaning, hey, bad guys use the automobile to get away from bank robberies. And so that's going to happen. Again, I think I'll go back to my statement a minute ago, Angie, which is he or she who is most educated about this is going to win long term. Because as long as you assume that will happen, then I think you begin to develop guardrails, whether they're personal or around your business as to how you see this. A great example of this right now, as we're doing this in early September in 2023, would be the blockchain. You don't hear a lot about the blockchain now because AI has kind of taken a lot of that oxygen out of the room. But the blockchain 
in terms of its architecture and its structural integrity of the actual um, software is sound. And so um, that is going to be around and it's going to be around for a long, long time. But people have looked at what's happened with in the crypto landscape and said, ah, okay, that's a passing fan. That's a mistake to make. Um, and I only got there because I took the time to dig in and understand okay, what's really going on. Drop all the, I don't care what crypto's priced at today. I don't care who's a millionaire. I have no interest in that. Um, because when you get to that level, you can then say, oh, I can see where this is going to be transformative. So we will have those moments with this technology. And so I think, again, it just, it's incumbent upon that person to, like, where is your brain? Where, where's your head wrapped around this? Um, I give a, a presentation, Angie, on disruption. And I talk about in 1908, Henry Ford rolled out the first Model T from his assembly line in Michigan. And then I show a picture two years later of the same car, which is deeply stuck in mud, clearly. And the inference is the infrastructure simply wasn't ready. And that was two years after, in 1910. So can you imagine you and I, Angie, looking at that car in 1910 thinking, yeah, that was a foolish purchase. Well, who was born outright? Clearly, the automobile, the infrastructure caught up, the roads caught up. But again, this is human nature to say, see, I knew it. I knew my instinct was right. I should run from this. And that's a mistake. Um, and we teach that, look, you can do the deep dive and then say, you know what? We understand it and we're going to wait. Great. That, that's incredible because then you've gotten your, yourself to an evolved understanding and you say, we're going to wait. I applaud that. But saying we're going to wait without the educational backing, I think that's a mistake. So, Henry, I, I hear you and I, I have to sit with that for a minute and I want to kind of expand on that because really what I hear you say is it's fine to have the information and the knowledge and then to say, I'm not quite ready for this yet. But you're saying it's a whole next level thing to say, to judge, condemn, you know, past criticism, but not really know the inside information. And I think to that point, that is, you're right, that happens a lot in politics. I want to reintroduce you. I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And if you're just coming to us, I'm talking to Henry Hayes, and we're talking about artificial intelligence and how it's more than chat GPT. And Henry is a wealth of knowledge. He's the CEO and co-founder of Disrupt Ready. And what we're talking about, I asked Henry, what are some of the ethical considerations and some of the legal things we should be aware of? And Henry, I hear you say a number of things, but one of them is just be informed first and foremost. And... Um, I like also how you said the models could be biased and how, you know, a single source of truth could get us all into trouble. My mind went to, you know, people voting based on what they see on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's kind of that whole, where are you getting your information from? And are you getting it from a, a wide variety of sources so that you know that you are not biased toward any one source of information? Um, you said single source of truth. And then you said that, AI can have hallucinations and you know, I can't let that one sit. I have to know what you're talking about there. Okay. So a hallucination, remember um, the way that these, these are either billions or trillions of bits of language data, which means text, PDF, word documents, um, summarizations of video, just like we're doing right now. And so from time to time, um, 
these LLMs will have a hiccup or what's called a hallucination, meaning it won't get certain things right. Now, this is a great opportunity to go back to what I just said a minute ago. Every now and then, someone will be using it and they'll be looking for a gotcha moment to say, ah, it, that's not right. And I knew it. And this is fraudulent technology. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to what I was doing. I think that's a mistake because you step back unemotionally and say, okay, I understand why if this is a baseball game, we're in the bottom of the first inning here, this will be smoothed out over time and it'll continue to get better. And I'm going to be a part of that. Um, again, in any technology that's come to the market, now think about the speed of the internet in the late 90s, early 2000s. Clearly wasn't anywhere near as fast as it is now. And you could have said, well, th this is, it's nowhere near as fast as I need it. So we're going to go backwards. And that would have been a mistake. And so I think for hallucinations, don't use it as a gotcha moment. Understand what's going on. Um, these, these tokens are processing at such a speed that sometimes it does hallucinate. But those are getting smoothed out over time. And it's a part of the growth of the technology. So, but what, are, what, are, what a great left-right turn moment for your, your viewers to say, check yourself on that. And, and where is your mind? What do you use that for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think your whole message is be open to what could be. Be open to possibility. Be open to how this could benefit you now, not, not how it could harm you. But you also said something earlier, and what I thought about was obstacles. And I think what you're really saying is, we all have to be aware of what could get in the way just because that that is that makes us more, um, I think, intellectually open to exploring. Meaning like even when I'm talking to my clients about where they want to be and what their goals are, one of the things I always ask them is what are the obstacles that you think could get in your way? Because in order to work through goals, we have to know what are the perceived obstacles so that we can have a game plan for every perceived obstacle. So basically that's kind of what I heard you say it's okay to look for where it might um, where it might not deliver up to your standards only in the sense that you're inviting yourself to explore it more deeply and to to be aware of that. So that right? yeah, so you're, you're, you're right. you're thinking about it the right way, Angie. So I'll go one step further. There's two layers that kind of we teach at disrupt ready. The first is 100% automation. Automation is defined as um, there are no humans involved in that task. Um, and there are a lot of examples of this that are benefit you know, to any job or company. The other more important and more interesting in our minds is the automation piece. So the, the question would be, how does AI automate and augment, excuse me, not automate, I just said that, augmentation. How, do, how does it augment Angie Miller's business? making her more productive. Another way we do this is, if you think of a large funnel, Angie, we all have um, potential clients that come into our world. So think of the top of the funnel, and then you go down funnel with activity and message and time, and then out of the bottom spits a client. Okay, and a great way to think about AI as a small business owner is, where could, as you push down funnel, what's the sweet spot for when Angie's at her best? And I'm guessing it's probably when you get in front of someone and you can really get a, give them a sense of you have a passion for this. Here's the way you approach it. And here's a particular plan for you, the individual, right? So the thinking then becomes, how do we get Angie down funnel and with as much time 
that she can sit in that kind of sweet spot for herself. Because when you can do that, you're more productive, you're certainly more efficient, and you should drive more revenue. We take away those things up funnel, the messages, the reach outs, the maybe the um, the intended messages around the business that just never land, right? And we get you down funnel because all the things up north of that can and really should be automated. That's our that's our thesis. Mm. So Okay. So automate what you can automate the more simplistic tasks that to your point. And one of the things you said early on was these are the tasks that most people don't want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So Henry, I am so glad you came on. I want to leave everyone with a little bit of a, um, a taste of what's next. I'm going to have Henry come back on and he is going to talk about how to make AI work for you. So I wanted Henry to come on as like a two-part series where this is what AI is. This is kind of how it's disrupted our world in a good way and, or depending on how you view it. And that's all okay. Depending on, you know, what your take is on it. Cause everyone is entitled to feel how they feel based on the information that they know. And so it's just inviting a conversation about AI and, and realizing that it is more than chat GPT. And Henry will be coming back on and he's going to let us all know as fitness, health and wellness professionals, we're going to deep dive into how actually can we make it work for us. So Henry, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to all of our Strong Mind, Strong Body listeners. We will see you next time.